As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so Matt, did you know that Bill Nye has a daughter that actually doesn't believe in science? No. Yeah, her name's D. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good, man. Good. I am good. Good. So if any of y'all live in Texas, you'll know exactly when we recorded this because we are covered in ice. Um, I've been stuck in the house for two days now. I'm going stir crazy. Um, and it's only going to be worse in the morning. So, yay. We're. we're yeah. <laughs> hope, yay. Yeah, hope everybody, <laughs> all of our listeners in Texas, when you listen to this, will have made it through the. Uh, ice storm of this year so always fun everybody likes to talk trash about texans not being able to drive in the winter Uh and my argument is always if it was fluffy powdery snow like i ran into in illinois when i went up there not a problem drive on that all day long we never get powdery fluffy snow we get sleet and ice sheets right and crap and that's what we've got now is, I mean, it sleeted all day yesterday and then it froze over last night. We got, I sent you a picture, Matt. It's just a, a ice rink. Our whole street is covered in a layer of ice that didn't go away. And then about two hours ago, it rained for an hour and it'll, it's supposed to rain the rest of the night and it's under 30 degrees. So it, it's going to, yeah. if we got powdered snow, Texans, well, a lot of Texans could drive just fine. The rest of them, they, the wind blows and they run off the road, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, before I go off on a whole tangent with that, let's just do this thing here. We want to say, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with, and it might be a show that you may not run across anywhere else. So go check it out. They also got some information on podcasting if that interests you. We also want to thank tonight's sponsor, HelloFresh, and we'll talk more about them throughout the episode. 
And while you're on the internet doing your internet stuff, the WWWs, go over to patreon.com slash graveyardtales. Sign up to become a patron. We could not keep doing this show without our patrons. They are pretty much the producers of the show. And I know a lot of people say that, but it's true for yeah. a show like mine and Matt's independent show with no funding. Our patrons keep us going. That that they donate goes back into the show to mm-hmm. allow us to put on a, a, a good audio quality and good video quality show for you guys. Um, and we've got three different levels. $10 a month. They get an ad-free version, audio version of the show. They get an ad-free video version of the show that's kind of a behind-the-scenes thing where they get to see some of the stuff that I would normally cut out in post. Um, and they get a bonus episode every week. Our $5 gets the audio and video versions of the bonus episode, and our $1 gets the audio version of the episode every week. So go over there and check it out, patreon.com slash graveyardtales. Yeah, I don't even know how many bonus episodes we've got on there now, but we it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice, large catalog uh, of some different, um, different type subject matter. Um, you know, it's a little looser. It's fun. You know, they're not as long. So, um, check them out. I mean, I, I think you, you'll be able to find something that, you know, you really dig and you hear some stuff that we, we wouldn't normally talk about on the show. Yep. Sometimes we do true crime. Sometimes we do, uh, we talk about paranormal equipment, like ghost hunting equipment. Uh, we do just funny stuff. Sometimes we'll do a catch up. If Matt and I go on vacation, then you just get kind of a a look into our lives as we talk about the funny stuff that happened to us while we were on vacation or something like that. So go over there, patreon.com slash graveyard tales. All right, Adam, let's take a minute and talk about my one of my family's favorite sponsors of the show. HelloFresh. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, my kids go bananas when they see a HelloFresh box on the front porch because they know they're going to get to enjoy cooking supper with us um, and, and get to do a majority of it. And it's so easy. We feel confident that they're going to do a fantastic job. Right. So, I mean, no matter what the meal is, we're going to love it. So, what is HelloFresh, you say? Well, HelloFresh is a meal delivery service where you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You get to skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And remember those New Year's goals you promised yourself you'd stick to? Well, HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door, taking the hassle out of dinner time. You get HelloFresh and skip that extra trip to the grocery store and the long checkout lines. You spend more time doing the things you love with delicious chef-crafted recipes delivered to your doorstep. And that's very true. You don't have to go to the store, which I hate yep. grocery shopping. I hate it, and I and I hate that conversation at 3.30 in the afternoon. What do you want for supper? Yep. Well, with HelloFresh, you already know. Yep. You say, well, we're having HelloFresh. That's right. 
And HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipe cards mean you can get a delicious home-cooked dinner on the table without all the time-consuming meal planning or prepping. And you'll only find quality ingredients in HelloFresh's recipes. In fact, ingredients travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days so you know they're fresh. And that's a lot quicker than what you get at a grocery store. Who knows how long that's been sitting there. Right. Right. So if you want to get on the HelloFresh train like Matt and I, and I I guarantee you and your families are going to love it as much as ours do, then all you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5. And use our code Graveyard65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Yeah, that's right. All you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5. And use that promo code for 65% off plus free shipping. So Matt, that's all I've got for the intro and the housekeeping. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? You are getting very sleepy. I need a watch. Pocket watch. (laughs) I should have gotten mine out of the cabinet. (laughs) If you hadn't figured it out tonight, Adam and I are going to discuss hypnosis. Um, We're going to talk about, you know, what it is, how it works. And we're going to look into um, some of the contemporary uses of hypnosis now. And, you know, the, the benefits, the risks and all that other stuff. Uh, we're going to dig into that too. Some really fascinating information, um, doing this research. I mean, there was so much, Mm -hmm. so many directions we could have gone, um, with all of this info. Um, but we think we've got it, you know, shaved down to, um, to a longer episode, but I think we're going to touch on so many different topics. It's it's not going to seem that way. Yep. Grab you're your gonna, cup of coffee because you yeah, might need it. You're, you're going to love this one. If you maybe maybe you're going on a road trip or you have a long commute, you oh, pop you go, this yeah. one. Pop this one on. You're going to have fun with it. All right. So as we always say, go check our sources. You can find our sources down at the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found the information, and you can keep going if you. If our information is not enough for you, you can keep going and find more down there. Some of the stuff that we may have left out. So first, what is hypnosis? Well, according to the Mayo Clinic, hypnosis is a changed state of awareness and increased relaxation that allows for improved focus and concentration. It also is called hypnotherapy. Hypnosis usually is done with the guidance of a healthcare provider using verbal repetition and mental images. During hypnosis, most people feel calm and relaxed, and hypnosis typically makes people more open to suggestion about behavior changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not mind control. Right, right. We're going to dig into what it's not, but... There's so many misconceptions out there about what hypnosis is. Um, yeah. yeah, I got and, a little bit. And on there's that a lot too, of reasons so. for that. Yeah. Um, 
hypnosis, this is according to uh, a page called Intech, but hypnosis, they say, is a state of mind that is characterized by focused attention and heightened receptivity for suggestions. It is either established by compliance with instructions or achieved naturally. The critical nature of the mind is bypassed during hypnosis and acceptable suggestions are delivered. Misperceptions, like we mentioned, about hypnosis by clinical practitioners and their clients have been shaped through the years of inaccurate but interesting portrayals of hypnosis in books, plays, and movies. Part of the misconceptions is that individuals with seemingly magical powers to manipulate the unsuspecting innocent with their authoritative voice commands and penetrating eyes are depicted as hypnotists. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and these people are sitting there with the little swirlies in mm-hmm. their eye, you know. Yeah, and it, it's, it doesn't work that way. No, it's always, you know, you got to think of everything in Hollywood is exaggerated. Right. And I would say 99.5% or more of things in Hollywood are fake. So, when you see hypnosis portrayed in Hollywood or TV or anything like that, a lot of times it's fake and it's all done for show, mm-hmm. but hypnosis is legit. It is a legit thing, but it's not some dude in a black cape with a tall hat and a watch like <laughs> Matt was joking about. Yeah, yeah. Going, you are getting very, very sleepy. Watch my watch. You know, it's not, it's not that it, it makes yeah. for, good movies to do that yeah because if you were watching a real hypnosis session you'd probably just fall asleep yeah you'd you'd get you'd just be like you know this is boring Mm -hmm. um but you know people always have this idea that i'm i'm gonna do something crazy i'm gonna act like a chicken or i'm gonna take all my clothes off you you wouldn't do that under hypnosis unless that's something you would do normally. Right. You know, if if you have that kind of personality where you might just strip down uh, to your underwear um, in front of other people as a gag, then that might be something that a, hypno, a hypnotist could suggest that you do. If that's something you wouldn't do ever, they're not going to be able to convince you to do it. Um, you know, you, you don't. You don't tell all of your secrets. You know, they're not digging into your brain. They're just allowing you to be more relaxed and focused so that um, the suggestion can be put in there um, for behavioral changes or, you know, other things. Yeah. Well, if you noticed, the article even said acceptable suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, because and and I'll get into it here in a minute. But if you don't want to be hypnotized, you ain't going to be hypnotized. It's all right. right. You have to want to fall into that state. If you fight mm-hmm. it, if you say no, I, that can't happen. You're. It's not going to happen. You have mm-hmm. to be accepting to the process, and you have to allow it to happen. And the suggestion has to be something that to your your soul, your your morals, your whatever is acceptable to you. Right. There's not going to be a way for, and like I said, I'm jumping way ahead in my notes here, but <laughs> I, I did have to say that a hypnotist 
if you go to a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist or whatever you want to call them, they are not going to be able to hypnotize you to make you go kill somebody. Right. Unless you are a murderer. If you're a yeah. murderer, yeah. then yeah. yeah, they can implant because it's not against your moral code to murder. But if, like most of us, murder is against your moral code, ain't going to happen. So mm-hmm. you, a lot of people worry that that, well, what if they mess with my mind? Well, if, if they can do that, your mind was already messed up anyway. So <laughs> now this is Maybe. the... <laughs> the origin of hypnosis is actually from the Greek word hypnos, which means sleep. So like we said, hypnosis is a state of mind that is characterized by focused attention and heightened receptivity for suggestions. Now, we're going to get into talking about kind of the different forms of hypnosis. Um, they say it's either established by compliance with instruction or achieved naturally, like I said. And during hypnosis suggestions are used to cure a lot of psychological health problems such as stress, addiction, and phobia. It can as well assist in managing physical problems like pain reduction, such as the pain caused by chemotherapy and cancer patients. In a trance, the normal state of mind occurs regularly as when watching an engrossing movie, reading an absorbing book, or performing monotonous activity. Thus, Hypnosis is also described as an attentive, receptive focal concentration. It is commonly assumed that during hypnosis, the subconscious mind is in a suggestible state while the conscious mind is distracted or guided to become dormant. Yeah. So it basically, it is kind of like they said, distracting your conscious mind, moving it off into something else or making your conscious go to sleep and then they're able to affect the subconscious. Now the Cleveland clinic had some documents on hypnosis and they say how hypnosis works isn't completely understood. However, it's commonly believed that in the deep state of focus and relaxation that's achieved with hypnosis, your conscious mind is quieted You're able to tap into the part of your brain where your thoughts, beliefs, perceptions, sensations, emotions, memory, and behaviors originate. And in this state, you're more open to gentle guidance from your hypnotherapist to help you modify or replace the unconscious thoughts that are driving your current behavior. So there's a lot of myths about hypnosis. Let's look at a few of the myths and then kind of clear them up here. Myth one is hypnosis isn't real. It's just a form of entertainment. Now, hypnosis isn't a stage act, this says, or some magical act. Clinical hypnosis is a type of medical therapy that's often used as a part of a treatment plan that includes traditional medical approaches. Myth. Have you ever have you ever been to one of these? Have you ever been to? No, I'm I don't. Have you ever been to one of the the shows, a stage show? No, I, I haven't done that either. I mean, they're, well, let's put it this way. You've got one guy up there with usually, you know, six or seven volunteers from the audience mm-hmm. that he he hypnotizes and then adds in these funny suggestions. Um, You know, I remember the one, one I went to years ago. Um, 
he had something like a like a, a note card, like a um uh, a little five by seven note card. And he made the suggestion to this one individual, look, when you see this note card, you're going to think it's, you know, a hundred dollar bill. And, uh, so, you know, he brings him out and then he goes on with his whole shtick. And then he whips out this note card and he hands it to the guy. And the guy is like sitting there looking at it and he keeps looking at the other, looking at him. And then he's like, gradually, he's like, stick it in his pocket, mm. you know, all this other kind of stuff. And, and you're, it's funny. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know how legit that it really is. I don't think those are because we'll get into how, how you perform hypnosis here in a second. But most of those, from what I've heard and just the little clips I've seen on TV, it's this quick hypnosis where they, mm -hmm. they hypnotize the person within 30 seconds mm -hmm. that I don't think is possible. You can't just yank their arm, count backwards, then yank their arm and they go and they're hypnotized. It, it takes, yes, some people get hypnotized quicker than others, but it takes more work than just this quick. I'm going to count backwards from 10. And when I yank your arm, you're asleep. It takes more than that. I think, what that is, is that is the, the people that either A, are acting, or B, they want this so badly to happen yeah. that they, they make themselves believe it's happening. Because you can talk to some of those people and they're like, no, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. And right. I, yeah. I don't know why I was clucking like a chicken. And you're thinking, no. I think you did, but you wanted yep. to perform so badly that you just went along with it because you didn't want to be that weird guy that's standing up there going, this isn't working, dude. It, I know. It's, it's not working. When they yeah. put you on stage in front of people, then you are basically in this position where you're like, I'm either going to go along with this or I'm going to be that a-hole that it just stands up here and goes, you're full of crap. And nobody wants to be that guy. I would, because that's my personality. <laughs> but most Adam's people, the guy, this ain't working. Yeah, I'd be the guy up there looking at my watch going, you need to count longer, dude. I'm still awake. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> but 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 that's another, that we're fixing to go into it. That's another misconception. Mm -hmm. You just said it, you know, because I'm still awake. Right. And, uh, the next myth, like kind of like Matt's alluding to, is that you lose consciousness or have amnesia when you're hypnotized. Now, most people remember everything that happens during hypnosis. You mm -hmm. remain aware of who you are, where you are, and remember what happened during a hypnosis session. So it's not like people can put you under and you don't remember like they show on these shows where it's like, I didn't know everything he told me during the when I was hypnotized, I don't remember. I just have this weird thing implanted in my brain. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. There's another myth that says you're under the control of your hypnotherapist when you're hypnotized. Your hypnotist or hypnotherapist guides hypnosis, but hypnosis mm -hmm. is something that you do for yourself. You can't be made to do anything against your will. 
You won't reveal any information that you wish to remain secret. You don't lose control over your behavior. Hypnosis makes it easier to experience suggestions, but doesn't force you to have certain experiences. And the last myth I've got is that hypnosis is nothing more than deep sleep. Hypnosis isn't sleeping. There are some deeper forms of hypnosis that could make you appear to be asleep because your body is very still and quiet, but you aren't asleep. So saying all that, how do people describe the hypnotic experience? Well, people describe hypnosis in a lot of different ways. Some say you may feel zoned in or in a trance-like state. So focused, you're able to block out surrounding distractions. And this says, have you ever been so focused on a TV show or so entrenched in a good book that you don't hear your family talking around you or even your dog barking? This experience is some somewhat similar, they say, to how you might feel while hypnotized. A lot of people say they feel calm and relaxed despite their increased concentration, and most described it as a pleasant experience. So it's you're not asleep by any means, and you're you're basically uh-huh. hyper focused on the words of the hypnotist and what is being said, and you're blocking out everything else. Yeah. I know Michael must be hypnotized a lot because I think <laughs> his his phone is a hypnotist because he'll be sitting there watching something on his phone. And I can go, Michael, 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 Michael. And then I tap him on the shoulder and I'm like, dude, quit ignoring me. He goes, I didn't, I wasn't ignoring you. I didn't, you said something. Oh my Lord. (laughs) So that's basically what hypnosis is. is you're just hyper focused on something. Well, Amanda and I have a friend who he, he does this. He, uh, he does hypnosis. He's a, he he is a he is a physical therapist just like myself, um, but he has done some further uh, study into some more holistic healing remedies and things like that. And hypnosis is one of those. Um, and so he hypnotized Amanda. Uh, uh, it's been uh, two or three years ago, and we were talking about that right before I came out here and she said, no, you don't feel like you're asleep at all. She said, she goes, you don't feel like you're, you're being controlled. She's like, she described it as you feel like you're being guided. And there's a a lot of, at least in her case, it was visualization. I Mm -hmm. I think part of it, what she described to me is she's like, now visualize this boat dock. And you're walking out, you can hear the water, you know, you, you, you can feel the, the breeze and you can smell everything around you. And then there's a boat and you're going to step off when you're ready. You're going to step off into the boat and then you're going to take the boat wherever you want to go. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like. It was giving you a vehicle to explore your subconscious. And she started, said she started talking about some things that she hadn't thought about in years. And, um, you know, it brought up some things, but it kind of helped her deal with, you know, some um, 
things that she didn't even realize were still bothering her in her childhood. Right. Um, and, and it was a, a, a it, it, she wasn't on any kind of medicine. You know, she, you know, wasn't sitting in a, in a therapist's office three days a week and, and hashing out a bunch of stuff. No, it was just, she was doing it. The, you know, our, our friend who, who was the, who was the therapist, he was just guiding her through her own mind, letting her re-experience some things, um, and, and kind of work through them. Um, yeah. you know, of course this was a very, you know, intro, uh, session that they had. Um, but she really enjoyed it. She felt really, really relaxed um, while she while she was did it, and even uh, even after she said, "I still feel just kind of loosey goosey," you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it. You know, she was quick to tell me. She's like, "I didn't. I wasn't out of sleep. You know, I knew exactly where I was. I knew that you were sitting outside in the lobby." She was like, "It was, was it?" She goes, "I wasn't thinking about those things." Yeah. But I knew where I was. Well, and you said she had helped her deal with stuff from her childhood. We don't have enough time. Like the therapist would be an old man before we dealt with everything (laughs) I had to deal with. I mean, I think that's why I'm a podcaster. This is for people with traumatizing past. We get on here and, and so I feel you, Matt, you're one of us. (laughs) (laughs) There's some podcasters out there who happen to listen to this going, wait a minute. No, yeah, I'm not. Right. I'm not traumatized. <laughs> now, just admit it, podcasters. Mm-hmm. You are. We talk into a mic to nobody for a living. So <laughs> That's we're right. a little traumatized. We might need hypnotherapy. <laughs> now, the hypnotherapy training company, it, I didn't didn't know there was such a thing until I started doing this research, but they say, Once you have a suitable and willing subject for hypnosis, it's a good idea to figure out the location that you're going to be using. says it's a myth that you need a completely silent, comfortable environment in order to successfully hypnotize someone. But when you're starting out, it can be a good idea to go go for somewhere you're less likely to be interrupted. Um, Say once once you're there with them before you start, you'll need to do a, quote, pre-talk. This is a conversation that you'll have with your subject or client. I like how they call them a subject in this. Mm -hmm. In order to check that their expectations of hypnosis meet the reality of it. It's a good idea to familiarize yourself with the different myths and misconceptions that a person may have about hypnosis, which we just did, um, before you begin hypnotizing them. It says, because you need to put their mind at ease and ensure that they're comfortable with engaging in the hypnosis process. This says, as mentioned previously, if someone doesn't want to be hypnotized or is worried because your pre-talk didn't cover what they were concerned about, then they won't go into hypnosis. And it says a great way to start a pre-talk off is by asking a simple question. What are your thoughts about hypnosis? You can also ask if they have any concerns before you begin. Finally, it can be useful to find out if they have any previous experience with hypnosis at all, because this can either positively or negatively affect your hypnosis approach. So I thought it was interesting and, and we will get into 
um, in a minute here exactly how to go about a hypnosis session yourself, but I'll, I'll end my side with that. But I, I wanted to throw this in there kind of as, as a precursor to that, because it, it basically touches on the, if they don't want it, you're not going to yeah. be able to hypnotize them. Yeah. They have to be fully involved in it. Now, like I said, there are different types of hypnotherapy, and this is from the Metaphysics University. And I got what I could from their information, but if you want more on hypnotherapy, hypnosis, and how to perform it, you have to sign up and take their course. I, I can't pay for a course at the Metaphysics University, so <laughs> I didn't do it. I got what I could. But what if we can hypnotize you and then you could afford to pay for it. <laughs> you would need to hypnotize Ashley too, so that she would let me spend the money on that. <laughs> yeah. Now so you're over there selling stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to pay for this. Yeah, we we've got to pay for my hypnotherapy degree. We've got to pay for my hypnotherapy. You're what? That'd be. She's like, now, look, I know you've done a lot of crazy things for the show, but that probably the wildest thing that you've said is you want a hypnotherapy degree. Yeah, that's right. Uh, other than like going to, uh, you know, Bobby Mackey's music world. It's like, are you nuts? She expects that. <laughs> you want to go there? <laughs> the hypnotherapy degree would throw her for a loop. That's not something she would think I'd want to do. Um. Now, like I said, there, there's different types of hypnotherapy, and there may be as many different types of hypnotherapy as there are different healers who employ hypnosis. However, some broad categories, this says, of hypnotherapy can be outlined, keeping in mind that not everyone's technique will fit neatly into one of these pigeonholes. Firstly, we can divide hypnotic techniques generally into two classes, self-hypnosis and induced hypnosis. Through self-hypnosis, a person puts themselves voluntarily into a trance state where normally unconscious parts of the mind can be accessed for healing or psychic purposes. Mediums, this says, practice self-hypnosis for the purpose of contacting spirit entities, which means that their trance must be deep enough to allow them to access the most hidden regions of the collective unconscious mind. Induced hypnosis can be alternately called just hypnosis without any qualifications, but most hypnotherapy requires an operator or hypnotist as well as a subject or patient. So they're saying it, it's most of the time when you see hypnosis talked about or being done, there is a hypnotist and a subject or patient. It's not, not many people practice self-hypnosis. Right. Now the operator uses a method of quote induction to hypnotize hypnotize the subject. Such induction methods can be changed and even invented to suit the disposition of the subject. Hypnosis can be induced in some subjects without their consent, it says, uh, and sometimes can even take place without the subject having been aware that they have been hypnotized. So this is taking a slightly different approach to the thought of hypnosis. We just discussed, if you don't want to do it, ain't going to happen. This right. is saying that it, it can, that some people can do it without your knowledge. In my personal opinion, I don't think that's the case. 
But, I don't either. I, but the metaphysics university seems to believe that it can. Like, basically what they're saying is, I could be sitting here talking to you and do something, some rep, repetitive pattern or something mm-hmm. that I do, mm-hmm. and hypnotize you, and you don't know that you've been hypnotized. Right. But I honestly don't think that can be done. But I don't, I don't know. They say the, the, to, to continue with the contradictory thing here from the Metaphysics University, they say memory, memory loss can occur in the subject so that suggestions can be given by the operator that the subject will follow on awakening without knowing why. So this is discussing what you were talking about with the show, like uh-huh. the hypnotist show. Um, it's another reason why I'm not going to be getting a hip hypnosis degree from them is because I, I don't buy into most of this, but I, I had to read it, have to tell you about it because this information is out there. The hypnotist who can induce deeper trances in the subject can give correspondingly more powerful suggestions, this says, or affect healing at a deeper level of the subject's consciousness. Some subjects can resist the best methods of trance induction, while others can be hypnotized easily and instantly. Of those subjects susceptible to trance induction, only a small fraction can be brought to the deep trance of somnambulism, or Mm -hmm. however you pronounce it. I don't know. Um, It's the level at which mediums operate. Furthermore, Certain subjects prove resistant to suggestions of any kind, possibly because the hypnotist cannot bring them to the deeper trance states in which the mind becomes more susceptible to outside influence. Such uncertainties may account for the inconsistent results of healing through hypnosis with apparent miracle cures in some cases and little or no effect in others. Says it can be seen from the preceding comments that self-hypnosis and induced hypnosis both have advantages and disadvantages relative to one another. Self-hypnosis takes place voluntarily and puts the subject firmly in control. However, the process of transinduction may be difficult for the subject to control with the necessary degree of precision. Induced hypnosis has the advantage of an operator who retains consciousness and knows what to do in order to heal or make a beneficial suggestion. This also gives the hypnotist a great deal of responsibility says hypnotic trances may be difficult or impossible to induce in certain subjects, and care must be taken lest suggestions prove ineffective or worse, harmful to the subject. So to jump in here, again, I don't think that's the case. From all the other research I've done, this is one of the few sources that I found that kind of goes down that path where it says... It can be done without your knowledge, and I can implant stuff in there that I normally wouldn't be able to. And I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. And and understand, this is not the same thing as, say, a subliminal message. Right. Okay? I mean, you know, that stuff is done without our knowledge all the time. Um, You know, whether it's... uh something in a movie that is causing you to feel a little bit more on edge 
or anxious so that that jump scare that comes up really gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's uh, flashes of different words um, shown, you know, so fast you don't notice them, but your brain picks them up. We've all heard about those things, you know. Um, and commercials it's been happening. Were, it's been happening this whole episode. You haven't yeah, noticed, you but don't I, know. I have edited in a thing underneath the episode where it's going to make you go rate and review Graveyard Tales and share <laughs> this episode with a friend. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> if if we actually pulled something like that off. Yeah. But most people are going, so. yeah, that would be funny. Those guys are too stupid to figure <laughs> out how to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As soon but, as I started saying it, some of them went, dude, no, you're a moron. You couldn't figure out how to implant anything like that into the audio. There's no way. But, you know, we've seen those things where they have that suggestion where it's like, you know, you're thirsty. You know, something like that popping in, you know, mm-hmm. so fast. And it's it's one frame out of, you know, a thousand. Your subconscious mind picks it up. You know, your conscious mind doesn't notice it, um, but it's implanting a suggestion. Same principle, but done totally different. Right. Uh, you know, so you do that without somebody's knowledge and you kind of make them go, well, you know, I got to I've got to go to the bathroom. Why? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot different from somebody actually trying to hypnotize another individual without their knowledge in order to to implant a suggestion even if it's innocuous uh that seems i mean that's like sci-fi stuff yeah yeah and i mean like i said i only included that because it gives the alternating thought on hypnosis but it's not where i land on it and it's not where most legitimate places that practice hypnosis or discuss hypnosis it's not what they believe either so let's go back to the information that cleveland clinic has and it says there are four stages of hypnosis there's induction deepener suggestions and emergence mm-hmm. now induction During this stage, you begin to relax, you focus your attention, and you ignore distractions. Your hypnotherapist will guide you through this stage with specific techniques, such as controlled breathing, so breathing in over a count of seven, then breathing out over a count of 11, or progressive muscle relaxation, tensing muscles as you breathe in and relaxing muscles as you breathe out, then repeating in a certain order of muscle groups throughout your body, or focusing on a visual image, kind mm-hmm. of like what Amanda was saying. Yeah, and what what does this sound like? Sounds like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so meditation and, and self-hypnosis have a lot of similarities. Guided meditation and hypnosis, even more similarities. Um, you know, it, it's just a way to reach that state of, of 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 more more in tuned, um, you know, I, we we keep saying focus. We've said focus, focus, focus. This is going to be the new drinking game. How many times did Matt and Adam say focus during this hypnosis hmm. episode? We said it a bunch, but that's 
that's what it is. And, and all of those techniques we've seen in meditation, you know, the, the, uh, counted breathing, the, the tensing and relaxing of, of muscles, the visual focus, all of that, um, is used in meditation as well. And I, I honestly think self hypnosis is just meditation. It's a deeper it, it, meditation. Yeah, it sure does sound like it. Um, now the next stage in hypnosis is the deepener. Now this stage continues the first stage, taking your act relaxation and focus to a deeper level. This step often involves counting down or usually uh, similar descending imagery such as walking downstairs or slowly sinking deeper and deeper into a comfortable bed. These first two, two stages are aimed at easing your openness to suggestion. Mm-hmm. So just relaxing you is all it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's relaxing and then even deeper relaxing. And, and in Amanda's case, this was walking out onto that boat dock, mm-hmm. you know, walking further and, and hearing the sounds and smelling the smells. Um, and you know, the further out you go on the dock, the more relaxed you become. Right. The next stage is suggestions. This is the stage for actual change in experience, behavior, or perception. Your hypnotherapist will use imagery and carefully chosen language. The suggestions are usually symptom focused. So to resolve a symptom or exploratory to explore experiences associated with the start of symptoms. And I think Matt will touch on exploratory uh, 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 suggestions here in a little bit. Uh, Suggested changes may be in perception, sensation, emotion, memory, thought, or behavior. So they say, example, to quit smoking, you'll learn to identify your triggers to want to smoke, learn positive ways to change, understand resources to affect change, Disrupt your pattern, attach a better response, notice the difference, and install the changed behavior. It says you may be encouraged to see your, quote, old self with black lungs in a mirror behind you and see your new healthy self with clean lungs in a mirror in front of you. You'll then be guided to choose which self you like and to walk toward that self. Mm-hmm. Now, the next stage, the last stage of it is emergence. During this stage, you come out of hypnosis. Your hypnotist may use reverse deepeners, such as giving you the suggestion that you're climbing upstairs or counting up. So that's the the four stages of hypnosis. Now, I I love WikiHow. WikiHow makes me laugh all the time. And it's always because of how simple they make everything seem. Everything on WikiHow is just a few steps, and now you're an expert at it. (laughs) So because WikiHow makes me laugh, I wanted to read the WikiHow on how to perform hypnosis before you start. So first, according to Wiki, make your subject relaxed and comfortable. Have the person lie down on a bed or couch or sit in a chair. Almost anyone can be hypnotized, but it requires the right frame of mind and willingness to try it and the right environment. Eliminate distracting noises. You may want to play some quiet, soothing music. Then it says begin the induction. Induction is the process of bringing someone into a hypnotic trance. 
There are many types of induction, and it may take a little trial and error to figure out which one works best for you and your subject. Each subject may have a different preferred induction or one that works better for them, so it's best to learn a few different techniques to try out. It says you can look up many sample hypnosis scripts online by searching for, quote, sample hypnosis induction scripts. I I didn't do that, but I guess you could. <laughs> It says use progressive relaxation to help them relax physically. So talk your subject through relaxing every part of their body. You can do this by outright instructing instructing them to do so with each body part by describing a flowing warmth creeping up or down their body or by having them squeeze and relax, relax each body part in turn. It is customary to start at the head and move down if the person is sitting up or to start at the feet and move up if they're laying down. This is also something that they teach in the military um, to help you fall asleep faster. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes time is of the essence and you need to get that sleep. You don't have time to deal with rolling around or tossing around and taking 30, 40 minutes to get some sleep. You need some sleep now because you may only get two or three hours and you're going to have a long period of time. Going through this this uh, visualized relaxation where you tense those muscles and then you feel them relax and you move up, um, that helps you sleep faster. Mm-hmm. You know, I've so, done it as when I was younger. I have done similar things. Yeah, to get to sleep. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's really what we're talking about here is is doing the same thing. And they say, WikiHow says that difficult subjects may require the body to be broken up into smaller parts, such as toes, feet, heels, ankles, and so on, whereas more easily relaxed subjects may be able to settle down with larger parts like feet, legs, etc. This can help the person go deeper into a relaxed subconscious state where their mind becomes very focused. It says, next is ask the person to count to help them feel calm. So you can have you know, a more difficult subject and maybe you'll, you'll need to count for longer. Uh So you slowly count up from one pausing between each number. You can inject calming phrases between each number, such as one, you are becoming more relaxed Two, you are feeling calmer and safer. Three, you are growing pleasantly warm. And see, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, I just peed a little. That's why I'm warm. <laughs> now, I realize I'm, I'm putting myself in a greater state of relaxation just by mm-hmm. talking about that. Yep. I, we, were, uh, we were going through that. You were relaxing me. I peed. That's why I feel greater <laughs> relaxation. Now, the next one is try the Ericksonian pattern for conversational approach. Discuss what they're experiencing, how they're feeling and things they're seeing. You can include suggestions in this, such as, and are you noticing that your body is growing more still and beginning to feel warmer? Leading questions such as this can be very useful. Next, suggest that they close their eyes as they relax. It says closing your eyes will increase the depth of the trance. Well, duh. It says deepen their trance. A second induction technique can help them go deeper Slowing and deepening your voice can help impress upon them the things that are slowing down. 
<laughs> so if you can deepen your voice and talk slower, they say do it. It says provide consensual suggestions. So basically just would you like to or do you think you could or if it would feel good and and whatever suggestion. Now, the last one is wake your subject. It says the most common way to wake a hypnotized subject is by counting. Simply count down from 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 or however long you think the subject will need, saying soothing, encouraging words between each number as you speak, explaining to your subject that they are becoming more and more awake and alert, that they can begin to move their body again, that they can begin to open their eyes, and so on. Now. The whole thing about this wiki how to me is just the way they, I don't know why I dislike the whole soothing speak. Use, use soothing speak and encouraging words. And I, I don't know why, but that just, that bugged me a little bit, but you want to yeah. use like what? Settle down. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> Like you wake up the kid in the morning, just throw the dog on him. You're hypnotized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully from the wiki how here, you guys have now learned exactly how to hypnotize somebody and you yeah. can go hypnotize all your friends. So thank you, wiki how. I want to hypnotize the dogs. No joke. <laughs> Mine needs it. <laughs> I mean that would how cool would that be if I could hypnotize my dogs? Yeah. You know. And look don't don't go nuts when the pizza delivery guy gets right, to the door. Right. You know? <laughs> Just because I move something in the room doesn't mean you need to stare and bark at it. I know it's there. It was just five feet over to the left. I realized that. I moved it. It's okay. Henry does that. If we if something's been sitting in a spot or say a week, and then we decide to rearrange stuff and we move something, he'll go stare at this thing that hasn't been in that spot and start barking at it. And he'll come run over to us and bark and then run back to it and bark. That's and I'm like, great. thank you. I know it's there, dude. I, I know. I put it there. You watched me put it there. So if I could hypnotize him and get him to stop doing that, that would be fantastic. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> well, mine don't do that. <laughs> they they have their own set of annoying traits, <laughs> you know. Trust me. You know, wish I could hypnotize them to get them to quit farting. And they're laying in the bed with us. Oh, good luck. God. Yeah, I mean, it'll wipe you out. Of course, it doesn't wipe me out. It just wipes a man out because I can't smell it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, so. You know, Adam talked a lot about what hypnosis is. Um, well, there's a there's a few things that we've brought up, touched on that it is not. Um, you know, you like Adam said, you you can't you can't be convinced to divulge a secret that you wouldn't already tell. Um, you uh, you cannot be forced to tell the truth. Um, you, and you can't become stuck. You, you can't get stuck in a hypnotic state. Um, you can't be made to do crazy, embarrassing things. 
like I said, unless you would be willing to do these things normally. Um, while under hypnosis, you can lie or you can make up information because of the highly suggestible state. Mm-hmm. This is where you can run into problems. Even, uh, you know, trained and experienced uh, hypnotherapists have to be careful because you can make suggestions that can become very real to that individual. Um, and that may not be a good thing. Um, but in essence, a hypnotist cannot control you. You, you won't do anything against your own will. Um, it does make you feel less inhibited. And this article described it maybe as the effects of, of having a few drinks. Um, but it is not dangerous. Okay. There's no, there's no harm going to come to you by going through a hypnosis session. But Adam touched on several of these and uh, I was I was amazed at just the amount of 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 things that hypnotherapy can address. Mm-hmm. So Adam, let's look at some of the more contemporary uses of hypnosis, you know, in in today's time. Um you know, as Adam mentioned, hypnosis can be used for conditions such as anxiety, depression, phobias, attention deficit disorders, all things not believed to have a primarily psychological basis. Right. Now, you say, Matt, what the hell does that mean? Well, it, it means if if you have a mental illness, Hypnosis is not going to cure you. If if you have a chemical imbalance that is causing you to feel depressed or or if you have something that's causing you to feel anxious, that would need treatment. Um medical treatment uh from a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Now, hypnotherapy may very well help you deal with the problems that come along with anxiety and depression and phobias. Um, but it's not necessarily curative. Okay. Right. Um, because they, they have psychological basis, but if, if you're nervous or anxious because you've got a big test coming up, um, you know, you're, you're going to meet your in-laws, your future in-laws for the first time. Um, something like that then going through uh, a hypnosis session could help you deal with that better when you have to um, so that you are more relaxed so that you aren't stumbling over your words because you're nervous or something like that. It can help you with those things. Now, hypnosis has been used as an adjunct to cognitive behavior therapy. And cognitive behavior therapy combined with hypnosis has been employed in the treatment of uh, anxiety, pain, smoking cessation, obesity, even hypertension. Mm. You know, being able to focus and relax can help lower your blood pressure naturally without the use of medication. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Of course, if you're, you know, if your cholesterol is, you know, bacon. 
uh, then you're probably going to have high blood pressure that hypnosis is not going to take care of. Sure. Um, But when you have a stressful job, uh, maybe a stressful home life, um, whatever, if you've got a, a lot of stuff on your plate, your blood pressure may go up because of that stress. If hypnosis right. helps you deal with that stress, guess what? Your blood pressure goes down. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just, makes sense. You know, it's, we're not using hypnosis to directly treat your high blood pressure. We're treating it indirectly. No, um, it's not going to, you can't hypnotize a hemorrhoid away. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. But if you're stressed about your roids, then yes, it can help with that. It can help you handle the fact that you have piles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was what this one here, this blew me away. Hypnosis may be beneficial in the treatment of allergies. Allergies. I I need to get hypnotized then. That's I just blew my nose from allergy problems. So I, I so. said I was I was thinking how? And and there are studies that show that uh, hypnosis has actually helped change how your body responds to different uh, physical agents and things like that. Oh my God, I need to try that. Yeah, but if uh, you're you a, know, hip, a hypnotist, contact me about allergen right. hypnosis. That's I need right. that. <laughs> but uh, but also things like impotence, nausea and vomiting related to chemotherapy, irritable bowel syndrome. And huh. asthma. Okay. Now, those last few may sound a little out there, like asthma and, and, and IBS, irritable bowel. How is hypnosis going to treat that? But so many of these conditions can be exacerbated by emotional stress or anger or depression. It could work to reduce the symptoms. And like I said earlier, it's not necessarily curative. People with IBS, with irritable bowel syndrome, they can feel stressed about the potential of an attack while they're in public or at work or in a social setting. You know, and that stress tends to make gastrointestinal symptoms worse. Have you ever gotten an upset stomach because you were worried about something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I was uh, in middle school. That happened to me a lot over tests. And all that, I'd get so upset about a test coming up that I was afraid of that then I would have stomach issues. Yeah. I, I would either vomit or have it out the other or whatever. Yeah. So if you already have a condition like irritable bowel syndrome, and then you add some external stress on top of that, it could cause you to go into, uh, you know, gastrointestinal discomfort, diarrhea, any of those things, the stress is flaring up your symptoms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So using hypnosis to reduce that stress, reduce that anxiety could cause you to have fewer flare-ups. And so when I, when I read that, I thought that's brilliant. You know, it yeah. just taken out of context. It sounds nuts, but sounds when, you, when you look at it like that, you're like, I never thought about it that way. And, and yeah, it absolutely could. Well, let's talk about pain relief. Here's something that, it, that blew me away. Hypnosis has been used for centuries for pain control. 
including during the Civil War. Now, Army surgeons would hypnotize injured soldiers before amputations. Hmm. And recent studies have confirmed its its effectiveness as a tool to reduce pain. And among the leading researchers in the field is Guy H. Montgomery. Uh, He is a psychologist who has conducted extensive research on hypnosis and pain management at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, where he is the director of the uh, Integrative Behavioral Medicine Program. Now, in one of these studies, Dr. Montgomery and his colleagues tested the effectiveness of a 15-minute pre-surgery hypnosis session versus an uh, empathic listening session in a clinical trial with 200 breast cancer patients. Now, in 2007, um, the, the article, an article in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute, they reported that patients who received hypnosis reported less post-surgical pain, nausea, fatigue, and discomfort. The study also found that the hospital saved $772 per patient in the hypnosis group, mainly due to reduced surgical time. Patients who were hypnotized required less of of analgesic lidocaine and the sedative propofol during surgery. Hmm. That's interesting. It's it's very interesting. And you know, it 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 speaks a lot to what I do because 90% of the patients that I work with are in pain. Yeah. In 2009, an article in Health Psychology, Dr. Montgomery and his colleagues reported on another study which found that a combination of hypnosis and cognitive behavioral therapy could reduce fatigue for breast cancer patients undergoing radiation. And the research has also shown the benefits of hypnosis for burn victims. In a 2007 report in Rehabilitation Psychology, uh, Dr. Shelley Weichman Askey and Dr. David R. Patterson from the University of Washington Medical School found that hypnosis before wound debridements significantly reduced pain reported by patients on one pain rating questionnaire. You know, so if, if you know, heaven forbid, um, you know, we've got a listener that is uh, recovering from a, a burn injury. Um, they're extraordinarily painful. Right. Okay. I mean, these, these wounds take a long time to heal and they do require uh, debridement sometimes, which if you're unfamiliar with that term, that is actually physically cutting away the dead tissue that's left behind from, yeah. you know, a, a wound caused by a burn. Or scrub-a-dub-dubbing um, in a way. Yeah, scrubbing it away. Yeah, it's really, really painful. I mean, you've got all those exposed nerves and 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 new tissue trying to grow. Um, you know, doing all that extra to it, it 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 hurts. I mean, it mm-hmm. really does. And for them to see that these these patients undergoing hypnosis before they had to go through that and reporting less pain. 
that is significant. I mean, that's really significant. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's amazing that that it can reduce. I remember seeing something about, and I can't remember when or where I saw it, but a hypnotist, somebody didn't want uh, uh, anesthetics during a surgery. Mm -hmm. So they were able to hypnotize the patient and keep them hypnotized throughout the surgery, and they didn't feel the pain of the surgery. Wow. So it, it's like the there was a sheet up at the neck, and the mm-hmm. hypnotist was there at the person's head, running them through the hypnosis and keeping them hypnotized, and the surgeons were down below doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember where I saw this, and so I don't know how legit it was, but I remember seeing that, and... You saying it helps with pain made me think of that, where it was getting rid of enough pain that they could go through a surgery without anesthesia. I would never try that. That sounds like no, a whole nor, bunch of mess to me. But nor would I. I enjoy anesthesia. <laughs> yep. It's a, it's it's an okay thing in my book. I wouldn't even try it for oral surgery. It's <laughs> normally not that bad, but you know. Yeah, but this is this is. Quite remarkable. Um, but one other thing you touched on, Adam, was uh, smoking cessation. You know, and I had an uncle that was hypnotized to try to quit smoking. It yeah. it, it didn't take for him. Um, well, you got to want to, you know. That's right, you know. Uh, but Dr. Joseph Green, who's a psychology professor at Ohio State University at Lima, has done in-depth research in the field of hypnosis, including claims that smokers can be hypnotized to stop the habit. Now, Green began studying hypnosis and smoking cessation more than 25 years ago after seeing overblown claims from hypnotists who held weekend sessions in hotels before moving on to the next town. Sounds a lot like snake oil salesmen. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in, a, in an article in the American Journal of Clinical Hypnosis, Green and Binghamton University psychology professor Dr. Stephen J. Lynn wrote about the body of research on hypnosis and smoking cessation, but they found mixed results. In a literature review published in 2000 in the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, Green and Lynn analyzed 59 studies on hypnosis and smoking cessation. While hypnosis was more successful than no treatment at all, it was generally equivalent to other smoking cessation methods. However, many studies had combined hypnosis with cognitive behavioral therapy, which we talked about earlier, or other treatment methods so that it was was really impossible to determine, was it the hypnosis? Was it the behavioral therapy? Sure, um, yeah. I I think most likely there is you know there's validity in both to yeah. to help somebody and, stop uh, you know any any kind of addiction um, or habit like that. And the combination of the two, because if you think about it, behavioral therapy could lead right into hypnosis and vice versa. Mm-hmm. It, hypnosis can be considered a behavioral therapy sure in in a broad sense of the term yeah so 
I can see in in conjunction with behavioral therapy, hypnosis would solidify mm-hmm. that behavioral therapy. You could maybe do it prior to the therapy and allow yourself to be more susceptible to the behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see it it going in conjunction with it. Yeah. But when we start bringing up hypnosis and cognitive behavioral therapy, there's one thing that a lot of people have tried uh, over the years, and that's weight loss. Now, there's not a, a ton of randomized research that's available on how effective hypnosis is with weight loss. But early studies from the 90s, found that people who used hypnosis lost more than twice as much weight as those who dieted without cognitive therapy. Um, there's, a, um, there's a fairly new weight loss program. I'm trying to remember what it's called. I think it's called Noom. Yep. Um, and that's it. And when I read this article, it reminded me of that because... It approaches weight loss and healthy diet on a psychological level, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of times what we eat um, is determined by how we feel, you know, what our emotions are saying. Um, and, and a lot of people that, that, you know, they do the roller coaster dieting. They they diet. They lose weight. They go off the diet. They gain it. They do it again and go up and down. Um, a a lot of those folks, they just they have difficulty sticking to a diet because of the self denial that is inherent in dieting. I sure. can't have this. I can't have that piece of cake. I can't eat that candy bar or the pizza or whatever. You know, so much self-denial can be problematic, especially when you're trying to do something, um, you know, positive, like lose weight. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, so if you, if you approach it in that respect, you're, I feel like you're giving people an advantage. you're 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 getting them on a level where they can not feel like they're having something taken away from them. Right. But there is a 2014 study where they they worked with 60 obese women and they found that those who practiced hypnobehavioral therapy lost weight, improved their eating habits and improved their body image and how critical is that yeah um especially when you think about eating disorders um like anorexia anorexia nervosa where you're the you know these these patients body image is skewed when they look in the mirror they don't see a thin emaciated person they see somebody that is way overweight and and in their mind disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um so being able to change that body image is it's critical. You know, when if if you can look at yourself and 
and, and love yourself for what you are, then you're, you're more likely going to be able to do something positive for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to wind up beating yourself up every, right. every time you fail. You eat that Hershey's kiss. Ugh, I failed. You know, I didn't do it. So I might as well eat the whole bag. Hypnosis can help with those kind of problems. Um, so I, I think hypnosis for weight loss is probably beneficial. But again, not alone. There's a lot that has to go into these things. Hypnosis is just an, another piece of the of the answer there. Yeah. All right. And now finishing up that idea about stopping smoking and, and weight loss and everything, you just have to remember that your subconscious is where your emotions, your habits, your addictions, that's where they lie. And because hypnotherapy addresses the subconscious, it may be more effective. Um, there is a study from 1970. It found that hypnosis to have a 93% success rate with uh, fewer sessions needed than both psychotherapy and behavioral therapy for whatever condition they're, they're working on. So I think there's a lot of validity to hypnosis in, in the practice of, you know, addiction specialists and, um, you know, weight loss or, you know, stop smoking or control your anxiety, get your stress level down, all of those things. I think there is, there, there is validity in every bit of that. Yep. And as cool as all of that is, there's something that, yeah, I know everybody is going, are they not going to talk about this? Are they going to talk about hypnosis? And the answer is no. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're done. <laughs> Take us out, Matt. Oh, <laughs> we'll save you a snow. <laughs> We've got to talk about hypnosis and criminal investigations. We I love this. We absolutely can't. You would you would never listen to this show again if we I wouldn't. If we didn't I'd if stop we listening. didn't get into this. Okay. So we've all seen this on television. Okay, we've seen it in movies where they, a detective, uh, you know, hypnotizes a witness and they, they come up with something that they didn't have before. And they go mm -hmm. and they catch the killer. Um, maybe not in that, that, that style or flair that Hollywood has, but it has happened. Okay. Yep. And not just like somewhere, we're going to dig up some court case where they used. Mm -mm. Nope. Try Ted Bundy. Okay. Now, Ted Bundy was, of course, that the handsome, charming stranger who stalked young grade school and college age girls confessed to killing more than 30 of them. But in reality, nobody knows for sure how many women Ted Bundy killed starting in 1974. Now, on January 15th, 1978, Nita Neary returned to her Chi Omega sorority house and saw a man running down the stairs. He had a club in his hand. She saw the profile of his face. Four girls living in the house had been brutally beaten. Two of them died. One week later, Nita was put into a hypnotic state and questioned. 
she selected a photo of Ted Bundy from a photo lineup. Being able to visualize his face by diving back into that memory of seeing that man run away mm-hmm. under, under, uh, under hypnosis. And that's the thing that uh, you, were, you mentioned it earlier, and I don't remember what part, but your brain captures all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know that it's captured it because it's so jumbled up in there sometimes amongst other memories and all this that you can't actually access that, but you saw it. Mm-hmm. And in, it's like we've discussed this with other topics as well, that you see more than your brain allows you to acknowledge that you saw. Right. Because it has to edit on the fly. Mm-hmm. to make the most of whatever situation you're in. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a genetic thing. It's it's evolution where if we were in a jungle environment and we're scanning the environment and if we took everything in, we'd be standing there for an hour just peering around mm-hmm. trying to take in everything and acknowledge everything where that would then put us susceptible to attack from a predator. Mm -hmm. But if we're scanning, we see it all, but our brain goes, okay, you need to know about this and you need to know about this. Mm -hmm. For her, it was man running club. Get the heck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But she did see the face, right? She just didn't, she couldn't recall it because the threat of the man running with a club was so much that her brain said, don't worry about the face. Get the H out of here. Right. Move on. Right. You got and it. The hip, the hypnosis allows you to, in a calm manner, go, oh, wait, I did see the face and pull it out of your memory mm-hmm. file cabinet. Yeah. But what's amazingly is it was used twice in the Ted Bundy case. About a month later, on February 9th in 1978, a man in a white van abducted, brutalized, and killed 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. Now, one Mr. Clarence Anderson was the sole eyewitness to this abduction, which took place near Kimberly's school. Anderson underwent hypnosis twice to refresh his memory. Thereafter, he identified the man in the white van as Ted Bundy and the young girl as Kimberly Leach. So having seen it, um, and he couldn't be 100% sure, under hypnosis, he sees them, and then when presented with multiple photographs, is able to identify that person because in that hypnotic state, he was able to essentially stop and slow down everything. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that, especially in the movies, you're like, what do you see? Can't, what, what, is, you know, what, what is he wearing? Tell me about what he's wearing. Um, yeah. you know, tell, me about what, tell me about his face. You know, what, what do you see? And you can focus on those memories in that hypnotic state in a way that you couldn't consciously. Right. Now, um, in, a, in another one of these cases, the Sam Shepard forensic, uh, forensic hypnosis, which is what uh, hypnosis is called when it's used in, a, in an investigation, 
it, it actually saved an innocent man. Now, Sam Shepard's case is the case which the movie The Fugitive was based on. Okay? He was convicted of murdering his wife, even though he consistently claimed that a bushy-haired intruder did it. Dr. Sam Shepard was later legally exonerated of all charges. Now, this began in July of 1954 when Marilyn Shepard went to bed, leaving her husband Sam downstairs where he fell asleep watching television. Sam awoke to his wife's calls and found her being beaten by an intruder. He struggled with the man and was knocked unconscious by a blow to the head. The media's spin on the events included a, quote, affair and rumors of Sam's, quote, dark side, which resulted in a conviction. Now, after 10 years in prison and various appeals, Sam Shepard's case returned to court. His defense was conducted by uh, the, the famous uh, defense attorney, F. Lee Bailey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember him? Yep. Now, throughout the trial, Bailey was able to convince jurors that the original police investigation had been sloppy, ignoring evidence such as a cigarette butt in the toilet, although no one in the house smoked, and that no motive had been established for why Dr. Shepard would kill his wife. Dr. Shepard had also been examined under hypnosis. He described the attacker and remembered feeling his neck crushed under someone's foot and hearing someone talk about whether or not to kill him. Mm. He said the person walked with a limp and it was enough for the jury to vote for an acquittal. Good. Yeah. I mean, pretty amazing. Now this next one, uh, again, like I said, these are high profile cases that used hip- hypnosis. The, mm-hmm. the Boston Strangler. Ever heard of this one? <laughs> oh, yeah. A time or two. Once, I think. Now, the, back in my youth. <laughs> on a case of unsolved mysteries? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the decision to use hypnosis in the case of Albert DeSalvo, also known as the Boston Strangler, is, uh, is unique and somewhat controversial. 13 women were killed in the Boston area from the summer of 1962 to January of 1964. All victims of a serial killer who liked to sexually molest and kill the women in their apartments by strangling them with articles of their clothing. None of the killings gave any indication of forced entry, which meant the women had let the killer into their homes. Five police jurisdictions eventually became involved, interviewing over 30,000 people, collecting thousands of pieces of evidence during the hundreds of thousands of, uh, including hundreds of thousands of documents. In 1961, Albert DeSalvo had been arrested for posing as a modeling agent, knocking on women's doors. These women who were interested had allowed him inside where he measured them Some had sex with him, but then he changed his methods and in 1964 was arrested for entering women's apartments and raping them. He would either talk or force his way in and then attack the women. Sometimes um, there would be sex involved. 
And he had always claimed that he never had sex with anyone that was unwilling. The police psychiatrist believed that Albert DeSalvo was moving through psychosexual stages in which murder of the women was the next logical progression. Albert DeSalvo confessed to the crimes to defense lawyer F. Lee Bailey, claiming he was the Boston Strangler. After more than 50 hours of questioning, Bailey was convinced that Albert DeSalvo was telling the truth. Part of the interrogation, including putting DeSalvo under hypnosis. While hypnotized, DeSalvo described the murder of one of the women, Evelyn Corbin. During his session, he was able to give details that he couldn't have known unless Evelyn Corbin had told him herself including information about her medical condition and a warning from her doctor to not have sex. Descriptions of other murders and the women involved had similar results, which was enough to convince the police detectives that Albert DeSalvo was indeed the Boston Strangler. Hmm. So in this case, you know, they're, they're actually hypnotizing the suspect. Yeah. You know, in in order to get uh information that confirmed that he wasn't just somebody in there making this up. You know. Yeah. Copycats are a real thing. And you know, somebody wants that attention. Why? Who on earth knows? But it it happens. It it happens, especially with these high-profile cases. Um but hypnosis allowed these detectives to get details from DeSalvo, which, you know, he couldn't have known unless he was there and and may not have been able to come forward consciously with. Right. Now, you know, all of these cases, everything worked out. Okay. But hypnosis is, you know, used in, uh, but forensics hypnosis, uh, forensic hypnosis, what I'm talking about, it's not without its flaws. You know, first of all, Forensic hypnosis must be conducted by a trained professional who knows how to get information without leading a witness or accidentally implanting a suggestion or memory. Yeah, that's super important, especially when you're going to court with it. That's right. Now, secondly, there's very exacting procedures and standards that must be met during this hypnosis session. And lastly, when the case goes to court, the jury must consider the four dangers of hypnosis in deciding the case. And those four dangers are suggestibility. A hypnotist could suggest a race, height, eye color, etc., which the subject can accept as the truth. Two, loss of critical judgment. Under hypnosis, uh, personal beliefs and prejudices may influence how an event is interpreted during recall. Confabulation or lies. A person who has a reason to lie may create lies while under hypnosis or gaps in the memory may be filled in with false material that supports a self-interest. And number four, something called memory cementing which is a false memory that seems so real to the witness that he develops false confidence in it. Essentially, they 100 
and 50% believe that this is true. You cannot convince them otherwise. So these are all, these are all problems that can occur during forensics, uh, during forensic hypnosis that could cause a problem in witness testimony. Yeah. So witnesses or victims can become more certain of what they saw, even if the recollections turn out to be false. If all of the above conditions are met, then hypnosis testimony can be used in court and has successfully in many cases. So it's not foolproof. And many courts nowadays rule testimony obtained from a witness in a hypnotic state as inadmissible because there are just so many slippery slopes to, to tread, uh, such as this one. In the 1989 Minnesota abduction case of Jacob Wetterling, witness Dan uh, Rassier was taken by detectives to Minneapolis for forensics hypnosis. On the night of the abduction, Rassier had seen a car drive up to his house in St. Joseph and turn around near the time of the abduction. Now, Rassier told interviewers that the police were hoping to get a license plate number or at least a better description of the car. The session was difficult to say the least. Rassier recalls, quote, I remember crying and being very emotional and I did not want to come out of hypnosis because I knew that I did not give them what they needed. I was gripped in that chair, and I was in a different world, and I didn't want to leave until I had the answer, and I couldn't come out with it. Mm. So uh, the, this points to the fact that you're not asleep. You are awake and aware of what's going on. And Rassier was, he was absolutely aware that the information that he was providing them was not helpful, that he wasn't giving them what they were hoping to get from this forensic hypnosis session. Right. And that created a a conflict within him because he wanted to help. He wanted to help so much. But then he begins to feel guilty because he doesn't feel like he's helping anymore. And that's going to interfere with how effective this uh, testimony under hypnosis would be. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. Rassier remembered seeing a person in the passenger seat of the car, uh, either a woman or a child. Today, he says he doesn't know if that memory is real or concocted while under hypnosis. He says, quote, I'm not sure whether somebody was looking out the window. In my memory, I see someone looking out the window, but I don't know if I really saw that. Hmm. So maybe in his case, the desire for him to help, the desire of the kidnapper, uh, the, the, the investigators to find these kidnappers, um, you know, it, it, it led to possibly you know, a false memory. Um, yeah. So you, you know, you just cannot be sure. So investigators in the Wetterling case also used hypnosis on another witness to help gain additional details of a possible sighting of the missing boy. A man provided information that he saw a young boy matching Jacob's description. The boy was standing along a road 
near the town of Hector urinating. And he was accompanied by a skittish man who hurried the boy back into a white car and sped away. Under hypnosis, the witness was unable to recall any additional details. So it, it wasn't helpful in this case at all. Right. But Minnesota was one of the first states to restrict uh, testimony when uh, the state Supreme Court ruled in State v. Mac in 1980 to bar testimony recalled for the first time under hypnosis. In the case, the Minneapolis police had hired a hypnotist to question a woman who believed she had been raped, but was intoxicated at the time and could not recall it. Many of the details she retrieved under hypnosis turned out to be false. In its ruling, the court said, quote, the crux of the problem is that hypnosis can create a memory of perceptions which neither were nor could have been made and therefore can bring forth a memory from someone who cannot establish that she perceived the events she asserts to remember. In this case, uh, this person was intoxicated. Right. So she wasn't able to consciously recall any of those details. She wasn't able to recall them under hypnosis either. But during the session, um, she began to, to bring out details that didn't actually happen. Yeah, maybe something that the hypnotist said made her believe that that was legitimate and really what happened. Yeah. And you and, know, it could be something as subtle as going, did he have dark hair? Yeah. 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 Dark hair. He had dark hair. Yes. He had dark hair. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did he have a beard? Yes. Yes. Oh yes. I remember a beard. I remember a beard. You see where this is going. Yep. Okay. So that that's part of uh, what we were talking about, how, how cautious and careful a hypnotherapist must be to not Im implant a memory, not just in a criminal investigation, but, you know, if they're actually trying to help someone work through some problems, maybe something that they repressed since childhood. Um, but you know, coming up with a childhood memory that, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you, you're saying things like, Hey, I remember, uh, my brother took my bike and he broke it. And now you're mad at your brother and it's been 35 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've got to be really careful that you're not leading, uh, these folks in a certain direction that you're mm -hmm. letting them come to these memories on their own and you're not coloring them with your own, uh, influence. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, um, the Supreme court of Minnesota did go on to say that they felt there is no way to determine from the content of the memory itself, which parts are historically accurate, which are entirely fanciful and which are lies. So basically, because you can't, you can't delineate between a real memory, false memory, 
or just an out-and-out lie that we're not going to accept any of these testimonies that are done under hypnosis. And a lot, a lot of courts around the United States do not, um, do not allow uh, testimony from a hypnotic state. Yeah, I know there was a, a court case. I don't know how recent it was, but it was a Texas court uh, that allowed hypnosis, and it was from basically a witness to a crime. Mm-hmm. They They had a lot of it, but there was a few things that they couldn't remember that would have really helped the investigation, and they did a hypnotherapy session and they were able to bring it out and the the court actually allowed it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but I can see the benefit and the downfall to that because like you said, you can be more susceptible. And if it's not a good hypnotherapist, they can implant stuff in there that never really happened mm-hmm. and so I understand why some courts don't allow uh, hypnotherapy in in a in a court case. Yeah, yeah, and and the Supreme Court of Canada established a precedent in 2007 that post hypnosis evidence is inadmissible in court because it's not reliable. In uh, in R v Trocum, the court overturned a murder conviction after a witness changed her timeline of events following a hypnosis session that was requested by detectives. The jury wasn't told that the witness had been hypnotized or that she had changed her recollection. Hmm. So without that knowledge, okay, the you essentially tainted the jury. Sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, this this gained some big popularity, you know, in the in the late seventies, eighties, and into the nineties. And Adam, you you may recall um, there was a big there was a big run in the nineties of adults coming out with accusations that they had been molested as a child, you know, by a family member or a friend and, and these people were being arrested and sometimes tried for a crime that they committed 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, you can see where this really gets sticky. Um, when we're talking about working through, um, a repressed memory, how using hypnosis, you have to tread so lightly not to influence any part of that memory because not only are you trying to help this individual, you're potentially, you know, giving them a false memory of something that may not have happened or it may not have happened with the individual they identify. You know, right. I'm not saying they didn't happen at all. I'm just saying that if hypnosis is going to be the way that we're going to get access to these repressed memories, then 
you know, the, there, there's a lot of reasonable doubt there, you know, but you know, there's plenty of folks that have gone through, um, years of psychoanalysis and therapy and worked through that have come to these realizations on their own and, and they can process these things. And in some cases that absolutely results in in an arrest and a conviction uh, of their abuser. Um, but maybe hypnosis is, is not the way to, to get that information or to help that person work through it. Um, just, just because there's, there's, there's that, yeah, there's that risk, you know, that you could convince them of something that's not true at all. Uh But, you know, like I said, guys, this is, this is amazing, uh, information. Um, I had, I had heard of hypnosis being used for pain management, but not on this scale, not to the point right. where somebody was uh, actually documenting um, improved recovery and less pain after a surgery from using a 15-minute hypnosis session. I mean, that's just, it's uncanny. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it was enough that it made me think, hmm, I should really look into this for uh, for some of my patients that deal with chronic severe pain. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we, we do a lot of things that sometimes on the outside looking in, you're like, man, that's a little, um, this would be no different. But at the end of the day, if it helps somebody hurt less, man, go for it. Give it a shot. You know, I got patients that if I told them, look, if you will shove an egg up your nose, it will make you quit hurting. They'd be headed to the refrigerator. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all these other aspects of it, you know, it's just an amazing thing. And I, and I, I know a lot of people like myself, their idea of hypnosis came from Hollywood, came from, you know, some comedian slash magician slash hypnotist that's doing an act at a theme park, you know, which is, mm-hmm. which was, you know, my first experience with seeing anyone be hypnotized. Sure. Um, yeah. but it's, 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 it's much more than that. And I, I just think as, as the general public looks at hypnosis, they still have this idea of, you're not going to hypnotize me. You're going to make me do something stupid. I'm going to cluck like a chicken I'm going to, you know, go to church and every time the, the preacher stands up, you know, I'm going to cat call him or something weird. You know, it's mm-hmm. just not going to be that way. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen that way unless you want it to. That's right. And then that's right. if you would cat you, call the minister, then yeah, they could convince you to do it. If that's yeah. something you would do anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just fascinating. Maybe some of you. Uh, listening, have had experiences with hypnosis. You've been hypnotized. I would almost guarantee that we've got graveyard members that have been or have had uh, some experience with hypnosis. We would love to hear about it. And the best place to share those stories is in our Facebook group. You just go to Facebook, search Graveyard Tales, 
Uh, you'll find it. It's called The Graveyard. We've got thousands of members. It's one of the most active groups I've ever been a part of. And it's a safe space for you to share these stories. We, we all just want to hear them. That's why we're in mm-hmm. there. We want to hear these great stories. Okay. Um, so that's a good, uh, it's a good place to go and share. Um, and when you're done with that, you can slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. Uh, there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And Adam discussed uh, our, 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 our Patreon episodes uh, at the beginning of the show. And we thank everyone for helping the donating to the work that Adam and I do. Oh yeah. Don't forget and rate and review us on iTunes. It does help get us up the charts and it brings more people into the graveyard. So for Adam and myself until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.